Okay, you know what? Let's talk about it. Okay. okay so let's get into it. <laughs> let's, let's get, get into, into it. it. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome Hello. to another episode of We Don't Watch Movies with me, Kareen. And me, Monzi. I said my name really weird, sorry. Monzi. <laughs> We're all recording. We're all good. Um, yes, okay. I've been recording since you called. Nice. George is licking himself, so we're good. Importance cat update. Yeah. I saw a there he is. cat. Aw, cutie. I had to like think about which of his limbs were his limbs and which was his tail for a second. Uh, <laughs> I was like, is the tail in the middle? No. His okay. tail's behind him. Yeah, no, no. I found out later, but like the way he was sitting was like, I'm not sure. And and he kinda of blends with the the blanket he yeah. uses, so. Yeah. All right, so this week we're going to talk about a movie I have seen, but I've only seen once, and a movie that Monzi has not seen. Um, I've never seen it. Never seen it. Called never. Big Hero 6. This is actually I quite think, good because the sequel's coming out soon, I think. I think this is like the only Disney movie, like animated movie, I haven't seen. Yeah. I think I've seen all the other ones, and I think this is the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if that's true for me. I, there's a couple Pixar movies I haven't seen. Which ones? Cars 2, Cars 3, and The Good Dinosaur. You know what? I watched the first 10... I think we've had this question. The first 10 minutes of The Good Dinosaur, it was really weird, and I noped out of there. <laughs> and then cars 3 i also haven't seen but i have seen cars 2 so i guess it's not true but if you think about disney movies and you separate it from disney pixar yeah. that's completely different yeah, yeah. so i also have my statement seen, is still true i still haven't seen toy story 4 uh-huh. toy story 4 was actually really good it was surprisingly good sporky is just a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor he's a metaphor he is the physical embodiment of Woody's own, like, issues. Like, he's the physical embodiment of it. Because <laughs> Toy Story 4 is so good. I was like, are we talking about Toy Story 4 now? We're not. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying, like, because okay. Woody, right, like, he's having trouble letting go of the past, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, he's thinking about whether he should move on or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, because he meets, like, um, Bo Peep again. Yeah. You know? And then, like, Sporky, his whole thing is he's been programmed, right? He's a spork, so he's trash. He's trash. He's trash. He's trash. So he, all he's literally trying to do is go to the trash, end up as trash. Oh, right? Yeah. And so he has to sort of fight that instinct, which is sort of what Woody is doing, right? This yeah. instinct to be a child, to be Andy's toy, all that stuff. So but, it's two character foils playing off yes. each other. That, that, yes, exactly. I do, I do like that structure of film. I think that makes for compelling stories. Um, but yeah, I was, I went in because Jules wanted to see it, and then I went out like, dang, that was a good movie. I definitely <laughs> cried. But I, like, cry, like, almost every movie now. Like, I'm just so sensitive. Same. I get so I'm weepy. just so emotional. I'm like, I watch <laughs> commercials, and I'm weeping. I'm at work listening to podcasts, and I'm like, you are not going to cry at work. But you know what? I'd be crying at work. Like, I'm not... Uh, I got something in my eye. Like, I I'm cry fine. watching like music videos and like competition shows where they talk about their tragic backstory. I'm like, ugh. Um, and I, I get yeah. it. I get it. The only the thing that's hard. safe Sometimes right you now just is gotta like, cry. the only thing that's safe for me right now is books. I haven't cried reading a book yet. Really? 
I haven't read a real book in ages. All right, so we're okay. <laughs> Big Hero Six. Although, have you seen Over the Moon? No. Oh, that's. Don't want to talk about that instead. We just did the intro of a Big Hero Six. <laughs> Change our mind. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I really liked Over the Moon too. Um, that one I cried like the whole time. Um. The whole time. Yeah. I'll, I'll save that for next time. Okay, cool. All right, we'll do Big Hero 6. All right. Um, all right, so Monzi, we kind of mentioned this, like, before, but, like, why have you not seen Big Hero 6? Um, I remember when I saw the trailers, I was like, this looks really cool, this cute little Asian boy, and then I saw his brother, and I was like, this is a cute Asian man. <laughs> um... And I saw, like, the character designs. I thought they were really great. I liked all the way the characters looked. But then they came to, like, the quote-unquote Latina character. And I was just really upset because she was very whitewashed. And, like, if I turn on novela, right, like, all the characters are European-looking. They're all very whitewashed. Like, the only time I ever really saw, like, a brown-skinned person was if they were, like, a servant. Mm -hmm. They were definitely, like, fourth-tier character, right? Like, maybe they had a problem. Maybe they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um... So that was something that's really prevalent in Mexican culture and I think a lot of, like, Latino culture. Um, so when it came to seeing it in, like, American culture, I was just done. It's <laughs> like, no. Like, if you're going to have some representation, like, I don't want to see the whitewashed Latino. Like, it's just, like, you know, I'm a brown-skinned Mexican woman. Like, I don't, you know, like, there is that privilege right they, mm -hmm. there is that white privilege and all this stuff so i don't know it just made me really upset and so i was like i'm not gonna watch this so i never watched it um but now i'm like maybe i should watch it uh mm -hmm. i know it's sad i know that the uh, brother's dead and he creates don't give me that look <laughs> he makes a little what's his baymax baymax. baymax to like comfort his brother and i'm assuming there's somebody that's after the big marshmallow guy um, and, and the little brother teams up with his friends to, like, do whatever. Um, but yeah, so this is, like, the only Disney movie I haven't seen, and yeah, I should watch it. Yeah, I think so. I, I feel like I saw this movie by myself. I don't know if I saw it with my ex. I don't remember. Um... I don't remember who I watched this movie with if I watched it with anyone. But, yeah. I remember a conversation I had with a Disney employee at a mixer back in the early 2010s. And this was when, what was it, like, Sophia the Third or whatever? Like, the little kid Disney movie um, came out and there was, like, another princess that was released who was latina elena of avalor yes elena of avalor that's what i'm thinking of yeah um so let me look her up well no this would have been before her actually i think it was about sophia the first i think sophia is supposed to be latina um, really? Or, his, or Hispanic at the very least. Really? Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Hold on. Let me confirm this. Is Sophia? <laughs> Let me confirm yes. this. Google. No, she was. 
In October 2012, didn't 2012, Sophia was initially identified as Disney's first Hispanic princess when a producer spoke during a press tour. So, this was kind of fresh during the networking thing, right? Because I was there like 2014, 2015. Um, and this lady worked in like Disney TV and she was talking about Sophia the First. And she was saying how there was a lot of negative reaction to learning that Sophia was Hispanic, Latina, because she doesn't look it. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly from your reaction, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember her justifying it with, well, not every, you know, Hispanic person looks like they have brown skin or black hair or whatever they don't know yeah for sure yeah. yeah there are i mean we have people... asian max like hispanics we have like mm -hmm. black is like black yeah. Latino. like it's a whole range and a whole mix yeah 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 because because hispanic even on itself which correct me if i'm wrong to my understanding is just like we all speak the same language which is spanish so it's yeah questions on whether it's a race or not kind of thing mm -hmm. um, yeah because like you can be his Right, like, Hispanic. Brazilians, right, Brazilians aren't Hispanic, but they are Latino because they're yeah. from Latin America. Whereas Spain are Hispanic, but they're not Latinos because they're not from Latin America. Yeah, um, exactly. So, she was saying, like, not all Hispanics look stereotypically, you know, mm -hmm. Latino. And she was, like, she, she was, like, speaking in defense of Sophia's design as a more white-looking... Mm -hmm um hispanic princess because she was like you know i feel like we're broadening what hispanic can look like and yada yada so she was talking about this so i was like okay okay and at this point like i didn't know much about like representation in you know latin american central american countries so but then talking to you afterwards and you talking about the telenovelas because i remember you told me like shortly later i was like oh wait actually and i think we get into this like thing with representation where people want to avoid the stereotype and the caricature right mm -hmm. because like which is fair but then they kind of like start going too far avoiding it and then unintentionally unknowingly start reinforcing western european um beauty standards for example at or hypothetically when <coughs> i was at this undisclosed company i don't want them to sue me i'm gonna edit that out um <laughs> I, there was like an Asian employee group and they were talking about the character design for an Asian girl and that was in like an upcoming like kind of preschool demographic children's show. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of conversation around how should her eyes look. And oh you God. know, like we're trying to avoid the stereotypical slanty, like really almond exaggerated shape eyes. But then if you go too round, she just won't read as Asian. So mm. there is a lot of conversation back and forth on like, okay, on one hand, I get that we're trying to avoid the small eyes, but on the other hand, there are Asians with small eyes. And in yeah. Asia, sometimes those eyes are like, like in Korea, the double eyelid surgery is very popular. And a big part of it is maybe not so much they want to look white, but that they want their eyes to look bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you look, even though now currently a lot of Koreans are like, well, I just like how it looks. I'm not trying to look like a white person. I just want my eyes to look a certain way. I just want this double lid. The history of that surgery is rooted in white supremacy because the surgeon practiced it on Korean prostitutes to make them look more Eurasian or white to appeal to the American soldiers that were staying there 
because mm -hmm. they basically took comfort women from the Japanese occupation and just translated them into comfort women for like the American soldiers, but like under a different name, which classic America, <laughs> classic America, which is a whole other thing. But like, that was how, like the man who did the surgery did it for mm -hmm. that reason, yeah, like, explicitly reason. for that reason. So even though now the reasoning has changed and it's not marketed that way anymore, it has roots in this, right? And there is like a lot of, and then especially if you're Asian American, one of the common things we get made fun of is your eyes are small. Even if you're someone like me with kind of like, my mom says, oh, you have big eyes compared to her. But I've had people in high school be like, you draw your eyes too big. Your eyes aren't that big, which is like, what? And in general, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. So it's, it's kind of like, what is good representation or not? We don't want to play into the stereotype of the small eyes. But if we go too far, they stop looking Asian. But there are Asians with big eyes, but there are Asians with small eyes. Like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. um, I think the important thing to look at is what is the what is not represented as much? Like, what is the overwhelming representation? Um, what is it called? Uh, uh, what's it called? When you have, like, a... Not displacement, but, like... You know when they're like, oh, like the salary ranges, like from the lowest to the highest, like there's a really big gap. Something, yeah, like the the gap, I guess, in representation. It starts with a it starts with a D, um, where there's like overwhelmingly more of one thing versus the other. So I think you, you have to like look at that, right? Mm -hmm. So like what you were talking about, there is an overwhelmingly overrepresentation of and a I'm, specific look. Yeah, and then also if you look at like media. Like, for both Asians and Latinos, right? You have a mm -hmm. lot of white people playing those and just, like, right? Mm -hmm. So then even your original standard of what you think, right, an Asian mm -hmm. or what you think a Hispanic person looks like mm -hmm. also is, like, well, your base is a white person with exaggerated eyes or, like, you know, it's just a white person who you've made, like, a fake tan and, mm -hmm. like, a bad wig, right? Like, yeah. so even, like, if you're starting from there... Right, like, no one really knows, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when I moved to Oak Park, um, when I was, like, 10, 11 years old, we were probably, like, one of two Mexican families, and the other Mexican family was my cousins. It was my <laughs> aunt and my uncle, so we were just one family. And, like, no one in that school had ever seen a Mexican kid before. Oh. Right? Like, they didn't know what I was. They would think, they would honestly think I was half black and half white, because there were a lot of those students mm -hmm. they were like are you what what are you like it was a legit question that people were very confused well my classmates were very confused about and then you put in like my super complicated first name <laughs> and no <one> can pronounce, <laughs> right so it was just like you know you can say well this is the representation we have but it's like not really because if any of these kids or anyone has really seen a hispanic person it would have been on television and most likely they were played by someone who is actually white, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then even if you look at, like, brown-skinned Mexicans that are on TV, what roles are they most likely playing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's the other thing. Because this woman seemed to be under the impression that most of the Mexican representation we get are brown-skinned, dark-haired mm -hmm. Mexican people. So she was like we're trying to diversify this, right? Or we're trying to diversify mm -hmm. what Hispanic looks like. Because when I think of a Hispanic or Latin person, I think of, like, brown skin, black hair. That's just automatically what I think of. Yeah. Hey! Um, so I get surprised when I see, like, the Argentinian soccer team, and I'm like, what? Um, 
Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, if you look at, like, Argentina, right, again, yeah. they're much more Europe, I mean, I'm going to say Europeanized, right? Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure they had less slavery in Argentina, so you have less <laughs> dark-skinned people, right? You have more Europeans coming, more mm-hmm. Spaniards, all that stuff coming in the area, so, like, they're going to be just a little bit wider, right? If yeah. you look at, like, Mexico, or even, like, Central America, right, like, we have a higher amount of, like, mm-hmm. native Indians that were living there. So, like, when you mix it up with, like, you know, you get, like, the mestizo, which technically I am, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you're just going to have different, very... And then also, if you think about the the Latinos that are coming to the United States, yeah. right? They're going to be in the poor end, right? Which means they're going to be darker because they're most likely farmers, ranchers. They're, like, you know, as opposed to, of course, you know, yeah. more European-looking or white-looking yeah. Hispanics who are staying in those countries because they have money, because they have power, because they've come from, yeah. right, like... Generational wealth. Generational yeah. wealth, yes, exactly. Yeah. Disparity was the word I was thinking of. Um, Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> First try. <laughs> First try. But yeah, so it, there's that question, right? What kind of representation? How much of the representation is there? What are the representational trends, yada, yada? What is the negative mm-hmm. representation or disparity within within those cultures? Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, with that said, Big, Big Hero, Hero 6. Six <laughs> which I think actually is a really good piece of media to talk about that. Um, okay. Because even, like, the two main characters are half Asian. And yeah. even there, there is certain ways they kind of go about it that is like, hmm, so we can, we can get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, I honestly, I like talking about this kind of stuff. Also, felt on the being the only, like, person of your race or ethnicity or whatever, like, in your school, I was, like, one of the only Asians. Yeah. Much less only Koreans in the school, <laughs> to the point where they didn't even, like, know what Korea was almost. Like, they thought I was Chinese or Japanese, but Korea never popped up. So... Well, I mean, when you're little... Right, those are the only two countries you know. It's China and Japan, like the well, Asian countries. You know what I'm saying? Back in the '90s and the early 2000s, absolutely. Yeah, that's what definitely true, yeah. right? Like Europe, were the only countries: France, Germany, and like Spain, England. Yeah, maybe Spain. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. The United States. The only countries you know are the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. South yeah. America and Africa were their own country. <laughs> they were a continent right like it's its own country yeah yeah um which it is but like there's more no it's a con yeah um they need to rename the australian continent because i think it's oceana is yeah it's i think i don't think it's officially oceana though Hmm. or maybe they changed it and they didn't tell me like pluto yeah (laughs) but yes point is felt it was just me and like maybe one other kid and like the whole grade um, mm-hmm. sometimes even the whole school. So, um, yeah. So what do you think happens in Big Hero 6? Okay, so what I think happens in Big Hero 6. Yeah. The brother is an inventor. He, like, wants to make something, like, super amazing or whatever. He's got, like, his cool team of friends, and they're all, like, super into building their stuff. The brother wants to be, the little brother wants to be just like the older brother, but the older brother is like, oh, wait, slow down, man. You're still just a kid or whatever. Um... Anyway, the older brother's onto something really big and amazing, and he dies, maybe in, like, a scientific explosion. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the little brother is super upset about it, and he finds a thing that the brother was working on, right? But he also finds out that maybe somebody was after the thing, 
that he <laughs> that he wanted that he was working on. And so then he starts getting chased down, but then he runs into, like, the friends, and he's like, hey, I'm being chased down by these people. Um, and they're like, whoa, man, that was the thing your older brother was working on. We gotta protect it. And also, you're, like, 12 years old, but whatever. We're gonna help him defeat monsters. Um, and that's what I think the movie's about. How, good, how close am I? You're very close. Like, I don't... <laughs> I've only seen the movie once, and it was several years I'm ago. I'm only going off like, trailers. I was like, this is... I'm like, maybe there's one or two details off, but that's, like, the plot. Like, that is the plot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm only going off of trailer. Uh, yeah, the trailer did reveal quite a bit, especially the later trailers. Um, Let me pull it up, because I really haven't seen this movie in, wow, seven years. Um, Whoa. 2014, yeah. Um, cool. So, Will, we'll, well, let's do we need to watch the trailer? We've both seen the trailer. Should we watch it again? Yeah, we can rewatch okay. it. Just send yeah. it to me in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only thing is in proof for appropriate audiences. Ah, I love the Disney logo. God, I'm Disney. in San Francisco Police Department. Alright, let me get this straight. A man in a kabuki mask attacked you with an army of miniature flying robots. Microbots, B-Max Telvins. Microbots. Yeah, he was controlling them telepathically with a neurocranial transmitter. <laughs> Come on! Poor I am not fast. <laughs> no kidding! Go, 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 go! So Mr. Kabuki was using ESP to attack you and Balloon Man. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, kid. How about we call your parents and get them down here? What? Write your name and number down on this piece of paper and we can help. We've got to catch that guy. But first, <laughs> you're going to need some upgrades. Oh my god, I haven't heard the song in like five ever. Yeah. In a mask, just tried to kill us. How cool is that? I mean, it's scary, obviously, but how cool! Whoa. What's wrong with you? Low battery. You home, sweetie? We jumped out a window. What was that? We jumped out a window. <laughs> Harry, baby. Such a nice cat. I wish you were so nice. <laughs> Alright, okay. so that's the trailer. Trailer one. Trailer one. Do you want to revise any of your thoughts, or should we just go right into it? Let's just go right into it. <clears throat> that didn't show me enough to change my mind. Yeah. 
That was kind of like an early trailer. All right, so... Like a teaser trailer. Yeah, I, like, remember basically what happens, but I do have the synopsis because there's probably some, like, other things we can go into. Details, okay. Yeah, so our main character is Hiro Hamada. Hiro Hamada, I don't know. I'm just gonna say Hiro. I'm not Japanese. So, um, <laughs> he is a 14-year-old high school graduate. He's, like, a prodigy, super smart. Um, he's really into robotics. They live in San Francisco, which is a combination of San Francisco and Tokyo. I never um, would have guessed. Thank you. <laughs> um, and he spends a lot of his free time doing like robot fights. Um, so he like as gambles. a fourteen-year-old genius does. Yeah. Um, so when like, I was a fourteen-year-old genius, that's all I was doing. Right, Beyblades, man. There's a lot of money. A lot of money in that. <laughs> a lot of money in Beyblades. What a rip! I remember the Beyblade times. <laughs> or like the Bakugan. Anyways, um, those were cool. So the movie opens with he's at like one of these like robot fight things, and his brother Tadashi comes over to um like get him because he like mm-hmm. something happens where Hiro like gets like kind of in trouble like the Eldorado kind of gambling scene I don't remember what exactly instigates it but his brother has to come in and help him on his little moped and they like take off back home where they live with their aunts because their parents are dead um of course yeah and they kind of like do the stupid exposition thing like I know Mm -hmm. our parents have been dead for seven years but you can't keep doing this kind of thing and I don't know so they like do that I'm like okay um and if I don't know they've been dead for seven years, I can't relate to them. Yeah, I think the problem is Hero doesn't have any direction. So his mm-hmm. brother is like, let me inspire my brother. He's so incredibly smart. Like, he's smarter than I am. He's destined for great things. Um, let me take you to, like, where I go to college and you can meet my friends. You can see what we're working on to, like, kind of, like, spark something in you, right? So uh-huh. takes him over to the San Francisco Institute of Technology, SFIT. Um Hiro meets his friends. There's Gogo Tamago, who is has a Japanese name, but is Korean. <laughs> and Wasabi, Honey Lemon, Fred, and then Baymax, which is like the inflatable healthcare robot that okay. Tadashi makes. I don't remember Hiro seeing Baymax there. It's the first time. Yeah, I don't remember it. But I know like all the other friends are like kind of showing off. Like, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm working on. Um, so maybe he does. Um, and then he also meets Professor Robert Callaghan, who is the head of the robotics program. He's a bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad guy. It's, like, so obvious. It's like, it's gonna be you! You match the stature of the guy in the preview. Like, who else would it be? Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, Hero is, like, really inspired by this. He's so excited, so he decides to apply to the university, because, like, he's already a high school graduate. So, um... He signs up for the school showcase, and he designs these, like, microbots things. Because that's what he's using to win these robots competitions. Like, all these people kind of have, like, these big kind of, like, robots or whatever. And Hero comes in with, like, this unsuspecting little one that can, like, kind of divide or multiply or whatever. Like, it's it's just a very good little robot that he made himself. Um, so he kind of, like, works on that to make these, like, microbots, these teeny tiny little robot nanobot things. Um, so there are swarms of tiny robots that can link together in any arrangement imaginable, and they use a neurocranial transmitter. So he knows what he's talking about because, like, he's made this. So like, he's like, oh, this yeah. is how they work kind of thing. So you can, like, create them with your mind. So he's 
he's signing up for like the showcase to try to like get into the school um at the fair he declines an offer from this guy named alistair cray who's the ceo of cray tech to market the microbots uh -huh. um because hero wants to go to school and then callahan accepts him into the school because he wants that technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then as the Hamada family is leaving to celebrate Hiro being accepted, then a fire, your science technology fire, suddenly breaks out. And Tadashi runs in to... I think pronounce it Tadashi. Whatever. He runs in to save Callahan, which is the only person left in there. And then the building explodes moments should later. Should have let him die. Yeah, so Tadashi is dead now. Two now weeks. Hot boy is dead. I know. Um, or <laughs> is he? Um, <gasps> so two weeks. Also, I should note this movie is based on a comic book series. So, yes, I remember that. I remember yes. that too. These are based on Marvel comics. Um, mm -hmm. So there is that. So then two weeks later, Hiro is mourning Tadashi's death or Tadashi's death, um, and he like kind of accidentally reactivates Baymax. And Baymax kind of is like, you are hurt. And Hero's like, I'm not hurt. He's like, yes, you are in here, in your heart, um, kind of thing. So, because he's a healthcare uh -huh. robot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he, like, Baymax, there's like this whole thing where Hero's like, go away. And Baymax is like, you need a hug, a pat pat kind of thing. Like, it's cute. Um, so then the two, at some point, they find Hero's only remaining microbot and they follow it to an abandoned warehouse. Because also, Hero loses his entire, like, project. Everything is destroyed. In the fire, yeah. Yeah, in the fire. Um, in the fire. In the fire. I think they find the microbot, and the microbot starts, like, vibrating or something, because it can go to, like, it can lead them to where the other ones are. Yeah. They're so, all, like, synced up together, basically. Yeah, so they go to, like, this warehouse where they find someone has been mass-producing the microbots, and that's where we meet the man wearing the kabuki mask, and he attacks them with the microbots, so they run away. Um, Hero goes to the police, they don't believe him, then Hero's kind of like, I think the fire wasn't an accident. The fire that killed my brother wasn't an accident. Mm -hmm. The Kabuki man made it because he wanted to steal my invention. Um, so now Hero is out for blood, so he decides to turn Baymax into like some kind of crime-fighting robot thing. Um, and, like, there's a battle chip that has, like, different karate moves. Like, he, like, downloads, like, a karate movie and, like, puts, like, it in the database <laughs> and, like, injects it into Baymax so Baymax <laughs> just knows how to do it. Um, and he's, like, overriding, like, the healthcare kind of stuff. He's yeah, like, yeah, this, yeah, This is what I want you to do. I don't, I don't care about the other stuff. Um, and they track the masked man to the docks. Um, and then Gogo, Wasabi, Honey Lemon, and Fred arrive. Um because Baymax has, like, a call for them or whatever, and the masked man chases the group. The six escape to Fred's mansion, where they decide to form, like, a high-tech superhero team to combat the villain. Fred Naturally. is, like, the T.J. Miller character, like, the white stoner skateboarder-looking guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They spend, like, a lot of time on this character, and I'm like, this character's annoying, sure. and we have this diverse cast. Why are we focusing on the boring white guy? Whatever. Because um, he's a boring white guy. Yeah, and he's like, turns out he's rich and whatever. I'm like, I don't care. Um, so that part, I, I was like, ugh, whatever. So the group um, kind of like work on their tech and everything and all that kind of stuff. Um, they track the master man, whom they suspect to be Alistair Cray, yeah. um, to an abandoned Cray tech lab that was used for teleportation research until a test pilot was lost in an accident. 
Um, I forgot that part. The mask. Oh wait, <laughs> I remember. I remember now. The masked man attacks, but the group subdues him, and they knock off his mask, revealing him to be Callahan, <gasps> who shielded I was himself. Not expecting. Yeah, who shielded himself from the explosion that killed um, Tadashi. Tadashi. So then, enraged at the discovery that Tadashi had died in vain, Hiro yeah. removes Baymax's healthcare chip and orders him to like kill Callahan. He's like. <sighs> I'm overriding Hero. all of this. Kill this guy. Hero's 14. What do you expect? Um, so, like, Baymax is now, like, evil Baymax. And he's, like, about to kill this man. But then Honey Lemon reinstalls the healthcare chip at the last second. Um, like, right before Baymax can kill him. Callahan barely escapes. He takes the mask. And then Hero leaves with Baymax because he's like, I, I want revenge. Um back home hero is trying to like like he's repairing the robot and he wants to get rid of the healthcare chip but baymax mm. is like no i don't want you to he like blocks the access port um because he's like this is i don't want that's not what i was made for this is what i was made for and eventually he kind of like convinces hero because he shows him video of tadashi like yeah. doing the test runs so mm -hmm. you can like see him and at the end tadashi kind of tells baymax he's like you're gonna be you're gonna help so many people you're destined for like great things or whatever and i think like there's some kind of thing that gets across that like tadashi's kind of doing like he's inspired by his brother or mm -hmm. something kind of thing like some of what he says is similar to what he told like hero and he's like he wants to have this impact this good thing he wants to make this good thing for the world so then Hero's like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Um, so he apologizes to the friends, and they're like, it's okay, we'll catch Callahan the right way, we won't kill him. Um, so then video footage from the lab accident reveals that the lost test pilot was Callahan's daughter, mm. which means Callahan is trying to get revenge on Cray. Cray. Yeah. Um, so Callahan interrupts Cray at, like, this public event and attempts to destroy his headquarters using the teleportion portal. Um, there's this whole battle, the team's, like, using their science stuff or whatever. Um, the team deprives Callahan of his microbots and the mask, saving Cray, but the portal remains active. Baymax is like, yo, the daughter, Abigail, is still alive inside, and he goes into the portal with Hero to rescue her. Um, they find Abigail in hypersleep. But Baymax is struck by debris on the way back out, which disables his thrusters. With no other option but to sacrifice himself, Baymax activates his armor's rocket fist, like the rocket fist, and asks Hero if he is satisfied with his care in order to deactivate him. So Hero's, like, crying, and he's like, yes, I'm satisfied with my care. So Baymax, like, <laughs> fires the rocket fist before deactivating and then Hero and Abigail come out right before the portal closes. And Abigail's taken to the hospital, and then Callahan's arrested. Um, okay. Sometime later, uh, Hero finds, like, Baymax's healthcare chip in the rocket fist. Mm. So he can rebuild Baymax. And Baymax still has the memories and the emotions due to mm. the healthcare chip. I think there's, like, a moment where you're like, oh, no, is it still Baymax or not? And But then he does, like, this little blink thing or whatever like he like comes back so it's like yeah. okay yay of course we do so then they hug um the university gives hero a grant they dedicate a building in tadashi's honor and hero baymax and their friends continue protecting the city um the post credit scene shows fred talking to this portrait of his dad expressing sadness that he is unable to share his accomplishments as a superhero due to his dad always being away 
Um, but then Fred, like, accidentally opens a secret door, which shows, like, superhero clothing, and the dad comes back, and he's like, we've got a lot to talk about, so, like, the dad's a superhero or something. So, I don't know. It's, like, it's weird. His thing is, like, he just puts on, like, this, like, monster kaiju costume, which doesn't even do anything. So, like, I don't even know, like, what his... I don't even know what his whole thing is. He's just, like, a comic book nerd and whatever. I just... I didn't like him. They put so much development on him and not nearly as much on the other friends. And I found that really annoying because all the other characters were way more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um... So, yes, that is, that's the movie. Okay. Um, The sequel is, there's a lot of, um, uh, I'm forgetting all my words today. There's, um, a rumor, I guess, there's a better word I'm looking for, but I can't think of it, uh, that Tadashi is going to come back as the villain because in the Marvel books, he doesn't actually die. He's just severely burned um uh, and he comes back as like what is his character's name like sun something sunspot or whatever um so theory i guess yeah that i think that's what what's going to happen that makes sense to me because Parrish on directing us again yeah and a big hero six sequel Yes. Scheduled to release November 6, 2022. Mm-hmm. In the Korean version, Tadashi's yeah. name, which oh, is no, of Japanese origin, is changed to Teddy. <laughs> That's so funny. That's really funny. <laughs> I thought you were going to read this. For the South Korean release of the film, it was retitled Big Hero to avoid the impression of being a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, where are the other five? Yeah, we're the other five movies. We missed them. Yeah. Um, Sunfire. Oh, no, that's... Is that it? I think it's it. No. They changed a lot of the names. Mm-hmm. There's there is a character that they were like this is going to be this is like Hiro's brother this is who they're going to make Tadashi, um, yeah. But I can't. It's hard to find because the uh, they changed a lot from the comic books. Um, but yeah, that's the running theory is that they're going to bring Tadashi back as Sunfire. Um, oh, there's a show. Yeah. Oh, there is a show. I haven't seen the show. What is it on? Is it on XD or is it on... Is is the show running? Oh, it is on XD, yeah. Disney XD. Interesting, I've never heard of it. I think they're, they're gonna come out with a sequel, though. But, I don't know. It might be in um production hell or something. Huh, according to Scott Watanabe... The movie is set in an alternate future where after the 1906 earthquake, San Francisco was rebuilt by Japanese immigrants using techniques that allowed movement and flexibility in a seismic event. Mm. After the city was finished being rebuilt, it was renamed San Francisco due to it being a city with Japanese-American architecture combined. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an alternate universe because that would never happen in any universe I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
It says here for the South Korean release, they edited it to remove indications of the characters being Japanese because mm. of our history. Yeah, with the imperialism. And... Yeah. Um, but the film still caused some online controversy because of small images resembling the rising sun flag in the protagonist's room, mm. which is um, the naval flag the Japanese flew during their imperialism yeah. uh, run. So... Yes. Yeah. Fun fun fact, Baymax's movement and posing was modeled after studying the movements of a baby with a full diaper. <laughs> that is so fun. He does move like a baby, like a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, I could totally see that. Um, I think Jin Kim did the character designs. I think he was a lead character designer. Um, don't quote me on that, but I've seen um, sketches that I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, so, but he's worked on a lot of different Disney films. Um, I think he's like their lead character guy. But yeah, thoughts before we kind of go into deep diving this a bit more. Um, it's exactly what I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. So. Uh... Nothing too surprising. I mean, I know that, like, most Disney movies, like, they really get you just because of, like, the deep little details. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I probably will cry if and when I watch this. Um, but, yeah, it's not anything too surprising. It's basically 100% what I thought. It's almost I mean, 100%. I got... It's, like, almost beat for beat exactly what you thought. What I said. Yeah, well... <laughs> As a screenwriter, I sort of <laughs> know these things. I know what beats that need to get hit. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, nothing too life-altering, I guess. Nothing too shocking. Yeah. It, when I watched it, because I had pretty high expectations, because I was like, okay, we've got some halfies in the house. They're voiced by some halfies, which is really cool. It's Ryan Potter and Daniel Henney. Um that was exciting and they're both like the main characters um and i was just very excited and like there's a korean character gogo that's like our first korean disney character um and so i was really looking forward to it and i did enjoy the film but i did feel a little like okay like when it was done it didn't Mm -hmm. hit me as hard as I wanted it to, like, I might have still cried because, like, grief story is just, like, oh, I love a good story about grief. Those are, <laughs> they're so good. They're just, they're sad, but I, I like when it's, like, it's not, like, overtly about grief, but it's, like, mm-hmm. it's a central part of the story, but they handle it with a lot of metaphor and, like, character foils and things like that. And I think children's films are just, or rather animated films are marketed towards children are very good at like getting that across or like if it's like Mm -hmm. an indie quirky film whatever like a film that's like not just straight drama grief or whatever but has like layers to it i'm like oh this like i'm really liking this like i liked fall inner stars way better when i realized it was about grief from the perspective of the person who is going to die wondering how her mother will like continue that made the book make more sense to me and more like oh i'm getting it Instead of, like, this is a pretentious, stupid love story between two teenagers who are terminally ill. 
Um, so things like that I enjoy watching. I think it helps me kind of process like my own fear of death and all that stuff. Um, Coco is a great example, although that's less about grief, but kind of kind of a different take on it. Um, but stories like that, I really Coco enjoy. makes me cry every single time. I've only seen it when once. he comes back. And, the, and daughter, he's singing the song to his grandma Coco. And she starts singing it. And she's like not responsive and he's like, please. And, she's, and they walk away and she starts singing it. Yeah. And he starts singing it back. Every single guy. I swear to God. I, <laughs> I'm like getting like emotional thinking of it. It's, it's, such, like it's a, such a beautiful moment because I, it's just because that's like how it is sometimes like it was just it's too real literally <laughs> the movie was playing like whatever because like our nephews really like that movie well uh-huh. they used to really like it so we play it in the house all the time like every weekend and then like i missed the entire movie i was like i'm not gonna cry this time because i missed the entire movie and we get to that one scene i'm like i'm not gonna cry because i didn't go on this emotional journey you know i start weeping <laughs> all of us are weeping my brother his kids liked the movie, but he had never seen it. And so finally he's like, oh, I'm going to sit down and actually watch it. And he was crying and he was so mad. He's like, y'all didn't tell me I was going to cry this much. Ah, uh-huh, the movie is so good. Yeah. It's like also like the lyrics take on different meanings mm-hmm. or different parts of the film. So in that moment where he's like, remember him and there's like all these mm-hmm. stakes and those the lyrics themselves are really sad. And then like, uh, and plus she's like, she's so old. But she's like the last. Oh, oh yeah, it's I cried the in the theater. Yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna cry. And then I just, oh no, oh no. It was, and there's like not any other music going on. It's like it's yeah. just him singing to her. So it feels like, oh, yeah. It's that's, such a good movie. That movie is so good. I love the music so too. I was like, oh, this music is great. It is music hitting. Is really good. My music it's just nerve. like too real, right? Like mm-hmm. as a Mexican person, <laughs> like to have like our dream like an artistic or sort of dream like that like it's like why are you wasting your time right like mm. things like that won't happen for you like hard work is what's gonna get you where you need to go you know and mm-hmm. it's true but also like that family dynamic i think is very real and very and a lot of different like families and different cultures you know mm-hmm. so it's just like it just really gets you yeah yeah and like yeah. you think you found someone right who might like understand you but it turns out like you're wrong yeah you know or it's like oh anyway but anyway it's so good good. yeah i love that movie movie. (laughs) but yes animated films about grief just hit different they're just they hit different they're so good um because they have they can use metaphor did you watch onward yes that's what i'm talking about i I was on that i was watching this movie i was like this is gonna be beautiful story about like just a funky good time, right? Two like the brothers, dumb dad. Yeah. And like, but it was about siblings. And it was my my sisters and I were all watching it. We were bawling at the end of the movie. We're like, we came here for a good time, and honestly, we were feeling so attacked right now. Like, oh my god. Like, I yeah. Related a lot Why to can't the your sibling brother. be like yeah. your parent? Yeah. Right? Like, of course. Like you go through so much. 
I was like, we were all, we were a mess. We were. A oh mess. yeah, the flashback thing where it was like, oh no, I had someone the whole time. The whole like, time to do no. all these things. With. <laughs> like, he was such a good brother. He was such a good father to you. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Oh, that was. And then when he was like, you go, you go see you go. Him. Yeah, I was, oh my God, when he went, I was crying my eyes. I was like. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was so good. That's, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. about. They hide it in a funny, fun way, and then they cut it your heart again. out and everything. Like, I really want to talk about Over the Moon, because, like, I, that was a movie I was, like, I cried 10 seconds in. And then I just cried consistently throughout the film, and I cried so hard at the end. And oh, that's a that was a, that, that was like crying as much like with like me and Nadia was crying a lot, and I was also crying a lot with Over the Moon. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so good. There's like a couple things I don't like about it, but otherwise, like I really like that movie. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this movie, Big Hero yeah. Six. <laughs> um. So yeah, I walked out of the theater not quite having the emotional feeling yeah that mm-hmm. i wanted i think also like i had because we had seen book of book of life right earlier um okay is that what it's that's what it's called yeah yeah um i had seen that early i don't know really what to expect but i had a really good time watching it and then when i came out i was like i feel good this 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 was a great movie it was so visually spectacular it's different from a lot of things i've seen um, for me, it was like a bit of a cultural dive into it, right? And like we both watched, I had a good time. I was like, I, I really like this movie. Um, I felt really satisfied watching that film. So I was expecting something similar to this one, and I just didn't quite get it. I think mm-hmm. some of it was the middle section because they focused a lot and developed Fred a lot. I was like, I don't get it. And he's just like this white comic book nerd who's really into kaiju stuff or whatever and he gets a little kaiju costume i'm like okay whatever and then they didn't develop the other friends as much and i was expecting them to and like they got their like little bits to shine but i really wanted to see more of them especially because i'm like we got a korean character so i'm just like waiting for her to come on screen like every single time (laughs) um but like none of them really have any arcs or anything like that because the hero is the the hero is hero so i'm like okay i get that Hero himself was fine. Um, I looked at him and I was like, I feel seen in a way because it's like, okay, he reads as a half Asian, half white boy. To mm-hmm. me. He he reads that way to me. His brother is very much more Asian passing, but Hero kind of sits in that kind of middle. Like he looks mixed. So I'm like, okay, I like this. I like that we have a mixed character. But something that also, when I thought about it, I was like, ah, they live with their mother's sister because their last name is Hamada. And so, like, I think the dad is Japanese and the mom is white. Um, They're living with their aunt, who is white. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And which, like, she was fine as a character. She has kind of like that Aunt May, like, um, more recent Aunt May kind of energy, right? Younger aunt kind of thing. And she was fine and all that. But afterwards, like, the more I think about it, and when I think about it now, it's like, why couldn't we just have had more Asians? Like, they could still be half and half. Like, why aren't they staying with, like, their dad's family? Why are they staying with the mom's family, right? Like, what's... I don't know. Like, because it's a choice, right? They chose 
to mm-hmm. do this. I don't know if it was like a way to signal like yes, they're half and half. Um but it was something where I was like, okay. And I also didn't see a lot of like as much kind of like little detail half and half kind of things. Like Minari mm. was like full of it. Right? Like I'm watching Minari, I'm like I feel so seen right now. Like I know that, I know that, I know this, I know this. Like even not the things that were like the focus, it's like in the background. I'm like my parents have these same wooden ducks or like this is this or whatever. Like my <laughs> like your dad is obsessed with ducks. Well, no, well, in, in Korea, the marriage ducks is, like, a traditional wedding. Okay, okay, okay. So I was yeah. like, this? I'm like, yeah, we have these. Like, like my parent, like, sometimes my mom will, like, turn the ducks the other way when, like, they're fighting. Or they're something. having fighting? Like, That's hilarious. <laughs> I want wedding ducks. That's great. Because they, like, I think the thought is they mate for life or whatever. So, yeah, like, uh-huh. there's a the whole thing. And there's, like, also, like, wedding dolls and stuff. There's, like, certain types of pictures and things they put on the wall. So there's mm. a lot of little details there that were very, like, oh, so familiar because mm-hmm. you had a lot of Korean people working on the movie. Like, the director himself is Korean. He had, like, the yeah, actors and all stuff, the right? actors, all the, yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone. Associated with this film. Yes, exactly. So there was a lot that just felt like, like, yes, I'm in here, and it feels genuine. I didn't see it as much with this film. Like, I'm sure, uh-huh. like, there's going to be details or whatever around the room and stuff. Um, and there might have been, like, a couple things or something, right? Like, he likes the Bruce Lee movies or whatever, the Jackie Chan movies. Maybe he's eating with chopsticks or whatever. Like, things like that. Like, that's fine. But it didn't feel as, like, in-depth. Especially if they're living in, like, a made-up, like, San Francisco-Tokyo blend. You would mm-hmm. expect to see more. more? like, Asian influence. Like, yeah. Japanese influence. Exactly. And that's also where I'm kind of like, why is he not living with his Asian side, because San Francisco has such a strong Asian population, and if this is supposed to be a San Francisco-Tokyo blend, there should be an even greater Asian population here. That makes more sense to me, you mm-hmm. know? Or even, like, why isn't he associating with that? Yeah. Family, right? Like, I don't know if there's a funeral scene, but, right, like, seeing, like, that sort of interaction or just... Yeah, and, like, I don't... the other side, or having, like, an an, an aunt or an uncle from the other side coming to visit, like, just something, you know, some, just a little proof, like... Yeah, like, they they can build the story however they want, they can have anything happen, I don't know why that side of the family was just cut off, so, you know what, it it felt a little, like, tokenizing-ish, right? Like, we're gonna have these two half-Asian characters, but then they're only a family... But we can't make them that Asian, Exactly. We gotta have a white person here, right? And it's like, this makes sense. Like, it's not like this is unrealistic, right? I could totally mm-hmm. believe, you know, two happies living with their white aunt. I could totally buy that. But there is, like, family is so, I don't know as much for Japanese culture, but I imagine just in Asian cultures in general, I feel, especially if it's like a immigrant Asian family, or even like generational, right? Asian families in general, like the family is so strong. You know, Mm -hmm. like, why would the Asian side not show up every so often for this, right? Like, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't they do this or whatever? Like, where where are they? And I don't remember if, like, maybe they were in the background of the funeral, but, like, the prominent figures are Hiro and his aunt, you know? Like, I we don't see any of his other family members. So it's like what it, it kind of opens up these questions like what you were just asking. So they I bet they just weren't even thinking of it. But mm-hmm. I just wish they had thought about it a bit more. And, like, if you look at the main people making this film, like, they're all white. 
Yeah, so, I was gonna say, like, who is... Right, because, like, that was a thing, again, if we go back to Coco, right? Like, they... There was a big uproar because there was, like, no Mexican working on the film. Mm-hmm. So they got, like, a guy to be, like, co Like, a Mexican mm-hmm. person to be co-director, right? Yeah. And, like, those are, like, the little... That's what I also really love about Coco is, like, the way the house looks. Like, the way... Like, the town looks, like, La Plaza, all, like, the way mm-hmm. the streets, like, that's what it's like when you're in Mexico, like, that's what it looked like, and it's beautiful, and it was, I think it was the first time I ever saw a movie, and I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what it's like, the feeling I get when I watch, like, it feels like when I am in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, so just, like, those little details, like, the vendors, like, the mariachi people, like, the plaza, like, the flowers, all that stuff, like, just... Mm-hmm. You know, even, like, the way the grandma dressed, like, <laughs> even the way, like, his cousins dressed, right? Yeah. Like, like, to me, that was all sort of... And those are, like, the little details, yes, from going to those places or whatever. But mm-hmm. also having someone, like, from that culture or whatever, from that background, being like, hey, these are these things that are gonna... We're gonna notice and these are important, mm-hmm. you know? And if you just have, like, okay, we're gonna have half Asian, half Japanese characters... Right, but if you don't have anyone that's part of that culture, like doesn't really understand, right? You're gonna have things like, well, he's Japanese, so let's have the rising sun flag, right? Like that's yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When it's like, okay, well, that's that's not good. Like you can't have that. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, or it's just gonna be like, okay, well, because that's a funeral. The family's there most likely, right? But like because it's more westernized and it's coming from like this western view, and like white people just aren't as close to their families. It's like mm-hmm. You know, I think people of, like, immigrants of color are, right? Like, I think if you compare just, like, in general, like, the way we are with our families and how, like, intrinsic it is to, like, our culture, right? Like, it's all, like, it's all part of everything we do, right? Like, I know for Mexican culture, I know, like, Korean, like, like, different Asian cultures, you know, different, like, it's a big part of who we are. A lot of the decisions we make are because of our family or decisions we don't make because yeah. of our family, right? So that's not something that they're going to think of, right? Because yeah. most likely that's not something that they grow, they've they grown up with or they've noticed. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it, like, there's the expectation, you know, you, you live with your family until you get married or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the moving out stuff. But there's also that intersection of because this – kind of sort of takes place in the United States. It's kind mm-hmm. of San Francisco. You have to consider also, like, immigrants of color, why is the family bond so strong when it's already strong in the culture, right? It's like, well, you're living in a country that is not friendly to you, right? Like, you look mm-hmm. at how Chinatown was made, and, like, th- they couldn't get houses anywhere else. They were forced into this kind of shitty part yeah. of the city. So it's like, you know what? Fine. We're just all gonna live here and we're just gonna make it our little slice of China because everywhere else sucks. So we're gonna like make this our safe space, right? And then mm-hmm. you have like generations and generations of people that like grow up and live there. Or, you know, with Hawaii you have generations and generations of Japanese Americans who are living in Hawaii and like other places, right? Um, they tend to live, like, Koreatown in L.A. There's, like, a huge community. They're all, like, they're there. They help each other and all that stuff. Um, so you have to consider that historical racial context of why this is like this in the U.S., why these communities are here in the U.S., why they are as strong as they are, why the families are even, like, as tight as they are here, right? Um, which I feel like that kind of context or understanding wasn't quite there and i also feel that i've seen this criticism as well that big hero 6 just kind of went 
we like the Japanese aesthetic, so let's make a Japanese city, but it's still American because we don't mm -hmm. want it to be too exotic, but we do want it to be exotic, and we want the it's like Orientalism kind of yeah, like we want it to sure. be this like cyberpunky kind of cool futuristic thing. So we're just gonna take a bunch of Japanese aesthetic and sling it on here, which is like kind of racist, not like. Maybe not maliciously so, but Western mm -hmm. cyberpunk I mean, Yeah, but it's still fetishizing, roots. right? It's, like it's, those. Yeah. At best, it's fetishizing. At best, it's kind of like this long history of Western Orientalism, okay. which we see in art history, right? It happened in the 19th century. It's happened yeah, in the 20th sure. century and like the different styles of painting and everything. And when the kimono keeps coming back, right? It does um, keep coming back. Yeah, and, it, and it's tied to our foreign relations with these countries, right? Like, the opium stuff, the Boxer Rebellion things, that was, like, what, like, late 1800s? That's when people started seeing more and more of these countries, and then the art was like, oh, I love this art, or I want this, or whatever. And then we get more of it again later, because the U.S. is occupying different countries, we have that war, et cetera, et cetera, and now it's, like, a more global thing. Um with the internet but where was i going with this but yeah it's like cy western cyberpunk adopting the kind of tokyo like japan neon futuristic look has roots in xenophobia because japan and china and korea they were building these cities so quickly in like the 50s to 70s and 80s right like after world war ii a lot of it was like the U.S. was helping them to rebuild. Yeah, but let, we'll put that in quotation. But it was like, but who um, made it? Yeah, so you had to rebuild. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, the U.S. was helping them, but then it was kind of like, oh no, they're rebuilding so quickly; they are surpassing us, and we didn't expect this. You mm -hmm. know, so there was a lot of fear around like. Oh no, are the Asians gonna surpass us? us. As like yeah. we thought our greatest threat was Russia, but now look at Japan and look at Tokyo and look at these huge skyscrapers that they've got. You know how quickly they're developing, how quickly they're dominating like few like um forward thinking electronics, right? Like they were mm -hmm. manufacturing a lot of stuff and now Japan is making things like Nintendo, Sony, right? They are man yeah. like they're creating their own IP now. They're making anime, they're creating their own stuff. It's not like the US can just bully their way into like you just make shit for us. We tell you what to make. Now yeah, these yeah. countries are like, no, we're not just a cheap manufacturer where you can buy cheap shit. We are making our own stuff too. We've got IP. Um so a lot of our early Western cyberpunk which I also assume has to be based a bit on Japanese cyberpunk because there's Eastern cyberpunk, which is different. Um, but a lot uh -huh. of the Western cyberpunk is has roots in xenophobia because they're scared of it. And you look at like, who's the threat? It's often like some Japanese person or whatever, or like fear of technology, right? Because of these quickly developing cities in Hong Kong and Shanghai and Tokyo, right? Like, so yeah. even though now the aesthetic is like, it is cool, but it kind of is like another less malicious example of just like the U.S. being like, oh, we're just going to put in this thing because it looks cool and looks futuristic without like the understanding of like, well, why does it look this way? Right. And yeah. especially when you have these half Japanese characters that we, we don't go into their race at all or their culture at all, which is like, OK, that's. I, I do think there is room for stories where we don't have to get into the race or culture of these characters. No, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, oh, look, I'm Japanese, so yeah. everything I do is about that. It's more like, well, because it's part of something I've grown up in, these little things are a part of who I am. Yeah. Right? It doesn't differentiate. It doesn't have to be about that. Yeah. Right? But these are things that 
someone of this culture, this, yeah. you know, is going to notice. Yeah. Um, or just this little things that makes it more authentic. Yes, exactly. So it's that kind of stuff was like, hmm. And again, I'm not half Japanese, so maybe there are things in there that's like, okay, that I get it. Didn't know, yeah. That I just didn't get. Um, I can't remember if they took their shoes off in the house or not. Um, I feel like that's a really critical thing. But if they're also living with a white yeah, lady, that's a big, she, that's a big thing. It's yeah. a big thing. But if they're living with a white aunt, she might not care. Like that's mm-hmm. also true. You know, like when I go to my white grandparents, like they kind of, sort of, they, you know, they don't care. Um, and he like eats things with chopsticks or whatever. So it's like okay, sure. But yeah, so that kind of stuff, I'm like, ugh. And then again, they have like this great diverse cast with the exception of we've talked about honey lemon we can talk about it again in like the actual episode if you'd like to there are there are interesting character designs here right we've got a diverse cast you know honey lemon is a really tall girl which we don't see a lot of right Mm -hmm. um we've got wasabi who's kind of like this kind of more like anxious jittery very nerdy like black character um so that's kind of fun to see right like these are like different interpretations of it our Korean characters is like badass, like biker girl who was supposed to have a tattoo, but Disney was like, no, we're not going to have a tattoo. And I'm like, okay. Um, so there are like certain <laughs> things that like feel well designed or like cool or whatever, but we don't see a lot of them. We just see them fight and it's frustrating. Um, Gogo also has like the classic, like I'm Asian, so I have to have a cool color streak in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, every single. Well, it's like that meme where it's like um how come latino boys are always wearing red hoodies <laughs> and then you're like <gasps> and then i guess because i was like i'm wearing a red hoodie too like <laughs> you know it's like the same thing but yeah um but, but i do yeah, know with gogo there was because there's there's so many asians working at disney there's a lot of korean americans there too um or just koreans in general and I do know they were, like, like the way her legs are designed does feel really authentic. She has, like, there's, like, a word in Korean where it's, like, radish calves or whatever. Oh, or... <laughs> I see. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah, has okay. that, which is, like, really cute. So, like, she does look like I can believe that this is a Korean character. But it was just frustrating. I'm like, I want to see more of these characters and not this boring mm-hmm. white character. You know, why couldn't one of them be a rich mansion person? Um, but, yeah. like, it would have been fun if, like, Wasabi was, like, a really rich mansion person, and it's like, oh, maybe he's anxious because, like, he's, you know, the way his life is or whatever. Um, um something! I'm like, I just didn't want it to focus on Fred, and that was just so frustrating. Um, but I do think overall the film is a good film. These are just kind of, like, cultural sensitivity things, and this was made in 2014, um, which is kind of, like, right before discourse around this stuff really exploded like this was kind of one of the first films i feel that i was paying attention to that there was a lot of this discourse around right Mm -hmm. like especially around the honey lemon character which we talked about i had no idea she was hispanic or latina until after i had seen the movie and read about it and if you see the designs in the art book they design her to look more obviously hispanic or latina and they just didn't go with it so Mm-hmm. yeah um but i don't think it's a bad movie um it's fun baymax is cute there's a good message about grief and dealing with it um that i think is really accessible for children and like adults and things like that there is like this when baymax sacrifices himself it's like a oh, hero lost his brother and he's just finally gotten around to accepting this last piece of his brother because that's the thing that makes him come around to baymax 
he realizes how much of his brother is, is in, Baymax. in Baymax. And, like, Baymax is, like, this representation of his brother's love for him. You know, like... Damn, you're gonna make me cry. Yeah. So then when he's, like, you have to let me go, are you satisfied with your care? It, like, hits really hard because it's, like, now Hero has to lose the last final part, thing yeah. that he had of his brother. So it's very emotional. But then when you see, like, the chip, it's like, okay, you you can have this. All is not lost, you know, kind mm. of thing. So, but that, yeah. So things like that are just good story beats and character beats and development things. And Hero finally accepting it, kind of accepting his brother is also dead when he has to accept that Baymax has to sacrifice himself kind of thing, um, which is his whole arc. So there, there is good storytelling. There is good. They do a good job with Hero and all that stuff. But it is also not without its flaws. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Any other final thoughts? What would you rate this movie? Three, I guess, out of five. I think that's fair. That's about what I would rate it. Maybe I'd give it like a three and a half. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was just nothing surprising about, like, what you told me in the thing. So, yeah. I think if it was, like, something, like, a twist, right, I'd be like, <gasps> like, you know? Yeah, I think that was it, too. The movie was very predictable. Like, I mm-hmm. knew Callahan was the guy. I was like, I know it's him. Um, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and once you see the test pilot, you can be like, oh, there's probably something here. That's, like, the closest thing to a twist you're going to get. But I, I uh-huh. do wish there was, like, more to it. It is kind of like a paint-by-the-numbers story, but mm-hmm. still is effective. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you've seen Big Hero 6, I guess let us know. Monzi, where can they find you? You can find me at MagicMonster on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter as well at Don't Watch Movies, right? Yeah. Nailed it. First try. Korean, where can they find you? At Korean is Korean on Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Next time. Next time. Bye. Bye.